Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Well, welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. My guest today, if you just take a moment and just literally read her resume, you would be like, you've done what? For real? Are you serious? No way. I can't even begin to start to talk about all the things that she has accomplished. She started doing triathlons in 1999, has done several sprints, Olympics, and had done her first half by 2004. She's done 12 full iron distance triathlons, not to mention she's taken her talents to coaching and making sure her athletes are right on course for the par, as they would say. And, um, <laughs> and she also has a little tricky little nutrition situation happening. So <laughs> I am so excited to bring to you all Miss Lindsay Zimba Lee. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you. Look, <laughs> it's highlighting all of the wonderful things that you have done in this sport. And I was just like, for real, what? <laughs> Who am I interviewing today? I <laughs> Listen, I think I'm fangirling again, like what is happening? And this is just so, um, wow, you have a very expansive triathlon resume that I'm sure uh, my listeners will want to know more about. So let's just get right into it, Lindsay. Let's talk about your athletic journey and how you came to love this sport called triathlons. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up a swimmer. I started swimming competitively when I was eight, fell in love with the sport pretty quickly. And, um, and I also played tennis in high school. I ran track in middle school, but swimming was my main gig. And I swam in college and um, I ended up walking on to the cross country team. My last two years, I finally got the guts up because I started running more in college, kind of just to, you know, for stress relief and get out of the dorms. And I did my first half marathon with my dad in college. And then my assistant swim coach said to me one summer, um, Hey, you want to come do a sprint triathlon with me and my friends? And I was like, sure <laughs> at the beach. So, um, I did a sprint triathlon and my hybrid bike got beat, you know, came out of the water like first and then got beat by everyone on the bike <laughs> on my hybrid. And, but I was hooked. I was like, that was it. And, uh, so I did a couple more sprints, I think for two summers and then, you know, kept stepping up the distance and, um, and the rest is history. Just, you really had to learn how to bike. <laughs> so that's right. You have, because you can win or lose the bike on the race. Uh, yeah. you can win or lose the race on the bike because the bike is the <laughs> longest distance. I was like getting tall, tongue tied, like, ta, 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 ta. Anyway, um, but no. <laughs> <laughs> we are just having way too much fun today. Um, but in uh, all seriousness, the fact that you are a swimmer, that's the part that most people hate. Yeah. Most people are like, no, I can't stand the swim. Uh, but the fact that that was your favorite and then you got on a hybrid. How many people who are listening today have, have had their first on a hybrid? I've done one on a hybrid by, by default because my bike was locked up in the storage one time and I couldn't get it out. So I had to borrow a friend's bike and all they had was a hybrid. 
So shout out to all the hybrid writers. You guys <laughs> right. hold a special part in triathlon history because if you can make it on a hybrid, you can do anything. That's right. <laughs> With thick old knobby tires. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're like going chuck, chuck, chuck. And then the person by you is like, zoom, zoom. And you're like, wait a minute, I want to go faster. That's right. But anyway, I think that's such a great story. And um, I'm sure many people will be able to relate to that. Uh, but you got to do your first mar- half marathon with your father. What mm. was that like to run a race with your dad? It was great. So he was a marathon runner. He's run nine marathons. He's a big athlete. He's done lots of sports. And um a tennis player too. So he got me into tennis, but he would always kind of get me out running even in middle school, high school, he'd always be asking me to go for runs and stuff. And I just got more into it in college. And I remember going on beach vacations and him knocking on my, my door every morning, let's go for a run, you know, cause he'd use the vacations as his little training camp, you know, cause he was a principal who worked year round long hours. And so, so vacations were like when he do two a day runs. So I definitely got some of my craziness from him, but um, yeah, we did a half marathon. My longest training run was eight miles. So you can imagine what happened at 10 miles. <laughs> I kind of hit the wall and he's hit like, the wall. <laughs> he's like, see you at the finish line. And he beat me. And he reminds me of that still to this day. Hey, remember when I beat you at that half? <laughs> so <laughs> that's no fair, Dad. Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. I guess he's probably saying, well, you should have waken, you should have woke up when you, I had, you had the opportunity when I was knocking on your door. Like, That's right. You're like, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. And, and, and as I think about that, I think I um, had a personal moment of sometimes as a triathlete, when you choose to sleep versus train, it, it, <laughs> yes. just, it just hit my heart right there. As you know, you're thinking about knocking on the door at this stage, most of us don't have people knocking on the doors to wake us up. <laughs> yes. But we do have that alarm that we were like, oh, snooze, snooze, mm-hmm. I can't do it. And then when you get to race day and you are, you are under-trained, you pay for it. Absolutely. You do pay for it. So I, I guess you've learned not to under-train anymore. That's one thing that you t- took away from it. Yes, I have. And I have, you know, if I ever <laughs> skip a uh, workout, I just have the guilt then. So I definitely, um, I don't miss many workouts because I, <laughs> I kind of hate myself if I do then, you know, I'm like, ah, so just got it done or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I love hearing about um, how you got into this sport and what keeps you here now, because now you've gone from just a tri-adventurer, a tri-person that just loved it. And now you're coaching full-time. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what you do. Let's talk about that. Definitely my dream job. Um, So I actually have a background in biology. I have a master's in biology, ecology emphasis, and I did um, ecology work for a couple of years. I was um, an environmental consultant. I worked for um, some nonprofits doing environmental work. And I was getting more and more into Ironmans. I was teaching spin, teaching yoga. And, you know, that little voice in the back of your head just kept getting louder saying, you should really try to do something with this. And so I took the leap. I personal trained for many years. I personal trained from 2009 to 2017 while slowly building up the coaching on the side. And then once I paired up with Maria with No Limits, it it was kind of easy to get that full roster and go full time with it. So I went full-time with coaching 2017 and it's been great. So 
Wow. So let's talk about this. So you're with No Limits <laughs> Endurance Coaching, right? Like mm-hmm. No Limits has a special place in my heart. And so I definitely <laughs> want to give them the respect that they deserve. So let's talk about No Limits Endurance Coaching. And what does that look like for you? What is the day in the life of the No Limit team? Like, it's like the No Limit So just out, 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 out. Sorry. <laughs> that was like a little old to the 90s. Sorry, I had a moment there. Okay. <laughs> but tell us about the No Limits Endurance Coaching. <laughs> So um, we have several coaches, um, several who are full-time coaches now, and uh, we're all over the place. So I'm in Pennsylvania and my, my athletes are pretty much all over the country too. I do have a handful of athletes, but most of them are all over the country. You know, I have ones in Oregon, California, um, and I like a lot of communication with my athletes. So even though they're across the country, we do Zoom calls like this. Um, at least monthly, we check in daily over training peaks, they comment on workouts, they comment back, you know, they tell me how they're feeling and how the workout went every day. Um, So a lot of our communication is through training peaks like that. And then we do email, text, zoom, and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a great job. Wow. And not only do you do coaching, but you're out here writing articles and leading webinars and, you know, you mentioned Training Peaks and although Training Peaks isn't a sponsor yet, <laughs> I do like Training Peaks and I hope one day they will yeah. be a sponsor. Uh, let's talk about the articles that you write for Training Peaks and how, and for USAT newsletters. Let us, let's really like get into that. Like, what are you writing about and how does that help your athletes? Mm-hmm. Um, those articles have been really good because, uh, you know, even it's good for finding new athletes, putting your name out there that way, but also just contributing to the sport, contributing to educating coaches and athletes. So I've written topics on swimming, swimming, obviously is one of my strengths and nutrition, fueling. Um, I wrote one on easy bike maintenance, that kind of thing. So I kind of will just write things that I I think of that maybe there's a need for that I haven't seen articles about yet. I kind of make sure no one has already written about it before I write it. Um, But, but yeah, when ideas pop up, I'll just, I'll, I'll send an email out to training peaks and ask if they could use the article for their blog. And usually they'll say, sure, you know, let us know when you, when you have it ready. So (laughs) Again, I absolutely love it uh, that you you mentioned a fourth discipline inside of what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I say that very softly because <laughs> it's one of the things that people don't really want to focus on. And it's called nutrition slash fueling because that's important. It really is important. <laughs> and I learned this weekend that there's a difference Mm-hmm. See, you're always a beginner in this because you're learning stuff all the time. When you hang out with tri- triathletes, you are always learning. So hence why you just you just keep learning. Like you're never at a point where you know everything. But absolutely, there is a difference between nutrition and fueling. And that's the reason why I wanted you to come on to speak to us about nutrition, because I know you are a nutrition coach for No Limit. But then when I read like and kind of did more of a deep dive and read your resume, I'm like, who is this brilliant genius? I said, oh my gosh, I'm getting so, so much more out of this. But I really want to, you know, us to focus on the nutrition and the fueling. And mm. what is the difference? Because I think people think nutrition and fueling are one and the same, and they are very mm. different. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great outlook. I like that. Um, so I feel like endurance sport has helped my, my relationship with food. And I'm sure other people have feel the same where, you know, when you start stepping up to those big distances and your body just uses everything you give it for recovery, for fueling your workouts, for energy, you start viewing food differently. You know, it's, it's not the enemy anymore. You know, you, a lot of women particularly who grew up restricting and, um, deprivation with diets, that kind of thing. And then you start doing these endurance forward, especially Ironman and, and longer, you realize like everything you put into your, your body is, is so important for recovery and getting you ready for your next workout. Um, so that's when my mindset kind of started changing for the better. I started viewing food a little differently, making sure I was eating really cleanly and giving my, my, body high nutrient density foods. So it could, could use all that for recovery. Um, and, and really you're able to eat a lot restrict anymore. You're able to eat a lot when you're doing these crazy endurance sports. So, um, so yeah, I think it's super important to eat, to support your training, um, and not vice versa train to eat. <laughs> <laughs> But people need to know that, especially if they're doing these sports, you know, they need to know, I need to know, let's be clear. You know, (laughs) I'm not just talking to anyone else. I'm talking to myself, you know, just need to know the importance of eating. You mentioned clean eating, like what is clean eating and what does that consist of? Like, can I, can I have Starburst every day? And use that for my sugar feeling. I'm being a jerk. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) I'm only saying that because I just had some Starburst today because I was having a moment. So, you know, but um, yeah, let's talk about what is clean eating and what does that look like for a triathlete in general? Mm -hmm. And well, first I'll start with, you could absolutely have those treats. (laughs) There is absolutely room for those treats in your diet. Um, I definitely have plenty of those. Um, And it's, you know, if you can time it with your workouts and have some of those treats right after your workout, your body's going to use that to replenish your glycogen, that's stored carbohydrates. So, Hey, that's even better if you can time those treats right after your workouts. But, um, clean eating is just eating as whole unrefined foods as possible. So kind of staying away from the packaged stuff, eating lots of fruits and veggies, whole grains, um, unprocessed foods. So, you know, you probably heard this, like, if you don't know where a food came from, maybe you shouldn't eat it. If you don't know what it's made of, maybe you shouldn't eat it, that kind of thing. So yeah, for the majority (laughs) of your eating, that's how you should be eating, eating those whole unprocessed foods, but there's obviously room for treats too. So if you shoot for 85, 90% of your diet, those clean foods and having, having those treats in there too is okay. <laughs> Come on, Starburst. I'm here for you. Starbursts Woo. are delicious. I, I agree. And, and I just be, here's a moment of truth. So during Christmas, my brother had some Starbursts, and I have had them in a jar on purpose for other people to come into my home, and that's what they would have. I had not touched those Starbursts until two weeks ago and was like, oh, these are great. I forgot <laughs> how much they taste so good. And so I was like, no more. And then today I went back to my um, place and, and picked up some. And I was like, as I was, you know, there doing some other things and said, 
man, these starbursts are so good. So now that I know <laughs> that I can eat them after a workout to replace my glycogen, That's bam, right. I'm in the pocket. <laughs> I'm excited. So excited about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. It has to be the tropical kind, right? Like yeah, the exotic the flavors. Pink and red are good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Pink and red. Okay. <laughs> I'm out of control today. I'm not sure. See, that's the problem. I had the Starburst. I have all this Starburst. energy and I am just, oh, oh, I'm bursting. No, this is so. <laughs> you're going to crash later. <laughs> what? So if you're listening to this, please know I have a sugar high right now. And um, this is not normally how my interviews go. I'm usually more professional and I like to do things in a good, decent, orderly way. No, no, you probably have learned that by now. But yeah, so thank you for sharing with us what clean eating is and just knowing the source. Clean eating is just knowing the source of where the food comes from. High density food, you mentioned that as well. What is high density food? Yeah, so generally we want high density nutrient food. So, you know, high nutrient density, the fruits and the veggies, they are not very high in calories, but they're filled with a lot of nutrients. So we want to be eating lots of them. If you are someone who has trouble keeping weight on in the, the race season, when you have high volume training and everything, you want to look for high calorie density foods too. So the healthy fats, the nut butters, things like that, olive oil, you know, um, avocados, those good healthy fats are going to be a little bit higher in calories, but, um, super healthy still. So those are good foods to focus on if you are someone for all of us, but especially if you're someone who has trouble keeping weight on. And I have some of those athletes who we have to make sure they're not losing too much weight through the season. So well, I, I mean, know that most of us don't have that issue, but <laughs> I was about to say, but what about the people who are trying to lose weight or want to be more fit yes. in tone? You know, like, I think that's a real thing. Cause not that I am trying to do anything. It's always a benefit as a result of eating the right foods and training and everything correlates and works together. And you start to see your body composition change. You know that it's really about the food. And, and if I'm, please correct me if I'm incorrect, but they say that nutrition is what, 80% of your diet. It's all about, if you're trying to lose weight, it's about what you eat. Yeah, yes. I agree. I I've said before, you can be Ironman training and still gain weight because of what you're eating. So you still have to eat the right stuff when you're <laughs> training 20 hours a week. Um, so that's a great point. So if you are someone who's trying to lose weight and there's plenty of us, then <laughs> the best time to do that is more in the off season when you're not in your peak of training, high training stress, your body's under a lot of stress. You don't want to be restricting calories at the same time. Um, in general, I don't like restricting calories, period. You know, you should be able to lose weight and get to your optimal body composition when you're just eating cleanly, eating the right foods. Your body should just naturally find that spot where it's it's pretty lean and comfortable and healthy. But um, but if you are, you know, actively trying to lose weight, the best time is in the off season when you're not under a lot of training stress. During the season, it's just too high a risk to get overtraining, sick injured if you're restricting calories at the same time your training is high so that's a great question why thank you Lindsay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I also want to distinguish the difference between like dietitians nutritionists Mm -hmm. and nutrition coaches 
Yeah. I think there is a space for all of them in the industry. And um, if someone is looking to, if someone is looking to hire one of the three, how would you instruct them based off of their goals or long-term results? Like, can you just explain that for us and give us some uh, direction on how we would choose the best coach for us? Yes. So as a nutrition coach, I am not going to work with someone who has eating disorders or specific health issues. Like they have diabetes and they have to follow a particular diet. Um, or if they have other, you know, health issues where they're following a particular diet. Um, I don't get into the nitty gritty of vitamins and minerals and those sort of things that uh, registered dietitians would be able to. But what I do as a nutrition coach is I still look at food logs and I'm still gonna give you tips and um, suggestions on tweaking your diet to find your optimal um, body composition for sport. Um, but I'm not gonna prescribe a meal plan to you like a registered dietitian might do. I'm just going to be giving you goals for each week and little changes and things like that for your diet. But I'm not going to tell you what to eat and how much to eat of this and, and that. So um, that is more what a registered dietitian would be able to do if that's what they feel like this person needs. Right. And so would you say that your coaching is really more directed to making sure that you are properly fueled and Mm -hmm. ready for your race? Yes. And I have plenty of people who want to lose weight as well. So I, I do get plenty of people who athletes now, I, when I was personal training, it was mostly general fitness people who, you know, wanted to lose weight, but now working with mostly athletes who a lot of them do want to lose weight or a lot of them want to make sure they're properly fueling their workouts. So that's, those are the main people I get now. Um, so yeah, I'm just reviewing their food logs and telling them little tweaks we can do. I'm looking at their breakdown of protein, carbs, and fat as well, making sure they're getting enough of those and just making sure they're eating enough to support their training. Because it's amazing how many people are not eating enough, particularly women. And it's a great problem to have because you might have to eat more to lose weight. It's a great problem. That's a amazing problem. But well, yeah. also, <laughs> that is such a good problem to have. And you're right. Sometimes people get scared when they hear they have to eat more and yes. eat more because it's been such a, an, a misnomer that no eat less, reduce, mm -hmm. reduce, reduce. But I found, or at least I'm learning that eating more, you feel better when you're training. You have more Absolutely. energy when you're training. And so I'm not any of the above nutritionist, dietitian. I just a person who I like food. I like to eat. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, but I know that because I am eating the right things, my body responds very differently. And uh, yes. one of those things that I did, and you, you mentioned it were the fats, carbs, and protein, which are macros, right? Uh, right. Can you speak to macro feeding and if that is a good way that um, athletes, especially endurance athletes, should fuel their body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I never want anyone to feel like they need to log for the rest of their life, log their food. <laughs> it gets so tedious. So when I do work with athletes with the nutrition coaching, we generally do like 10 weeks, sometimes less, but um, 
obviously logging is the best way for me to see what they're doing, but I tell them, I don't want this to be a lifelong thing. I want you to be able to use your body's wisdom to know what you should be eating. So logging is great to see how your macros break down and get a snapshot of that. Um, also good to make sure you're eating enough, you know, seeing where these foods are coming from, but I make sure my endurance athletes are getting somewhere around 70% carbohydrates, um, 15% uh, protein, 15% fat, somewhere in that range is okay. It could be, you know, more like okay. 65% carbohydrates, 20% protein, 15%, you know, somewhere in that breakdown um, is good. When I see something like, you know, they're under 50% carbohydrates and they're training for an Ironman, that's when I'm going to be like, all right, let's, let's try to increase that a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think our bodies are so wise that I want, I'm, I try to teach people to listen to those cues that you may have been ignoring because you've been restricting food or eating at certain times. And that's when you eat and ignore if it's hungry in between that kind of thing. But if you can just listen to your body and eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, your body's going to tell you what to do. So if you start listening to those cues again, um, and I've had people use the hung, go back to the hunger scale where every time they eat, they have to check in with their body and give their hunger a rating. You know, five is I'm not hungry. 10 is stuffed. One is starving. So, you know, just checking in because sometimes you're reaching for food and you're not hungry. You're bored or you're stressed or you're anxious. So it's good to check yes. in. <laughs> And you answered the question because I was going to ask you, well, what are some ways to do that? So you answered that just checking in with your body, like giving it a scan yeah. uh, to say, hey, what's happening? What, what do we need? What, what, what don't we need? Yes. You know, because sometimes we just want stuff because we see it. Yes. And I've, I've worked with athletes who they're restricting to a certain amount of calories every day. And maybe on their big workout days, they're allowed, they let themselves have more calories because they're burning more. But then on the recovery day, the day after they're not working out. So they think they shouldn't be eating when meanwhile, maybe that's when they're really hungry. Cause that's when their body, it sets in and they have to use that food to recover from that big workout the day before, but they're not feeding it. You know, they're ignoring that hunger. So it's just important to listen to your body. You hit on something right there that I think I didn't realize was happening to me until recently that I can do a big workout or have a race and I'm not hungry immediately after that, but a day or two yes. later, I want everything. Is that just, is, let's just demystify it right now. Is that a thing? And how should people handle it? It's definitely that? a thing. I don't know the science behind it, but my personal <laughs> um, theory is that maybe you know, you're doing that huge workout and your GI system might kind of get sluggish there for a little bit and shut down a little bit. And then it hits you the day after, after that, that, whoa, I'm hungry. <laughs> even, you know, even when you do races too, sometimes <laughs> that happens, you're not hungry right after everything's kind of shut down a little bit. And then it hits you the day after the race. So that's my yeah. theory. <laughs> well, either way, we know we have to eat and fuel and, you know, give our body the right nutrition that we need. Yes. Um, I, I want to transition this into uh, talking about the different disciplines and distances mm -hmm. as it relates to the food that we need. So say, for instance, for someone who's going after their first sprint, how should they eat leading up mm -hmm. to it? And then how should they fuel during? Yeah. Um, even for a sprint, 
you know, you want to make sure you're topped off with carbohydrates and topping off that glycogen, that stored carbohydrate that we use. So um, in the day before, you can, just the day before is okay for a sprint. Just making sure you have plenty of carbs. You don't want to eat more than you normally eat for total calories, but you want to make sure you're getting plenty of carbs in your your calories that day. So having a good breakfast full of carbs, maybe pancakes or a big bowl of oatmeal, something like that. And then lunch, um, you know, turkey sandwich with some pretzels or, and then dinner doesn't have to be huge, you know, and an early dinner, I always say is best. So you have plenty of time to digest it. So dinner five o'clock, you know, um, and pasta is fine, but it doesn't have to be this huge bowl of pasta that's going to be hard to digest. And you also want to steer away from high fat foods that are harder to digest. Um, so easy things that you've done in training that are easy for you to digest. And then same with the morning of, you know, two to three hours before your, your race, just stick to the foods that you've had before your longer training days, um, whatever works for you, but ideally high, high in carbohydrates, low in fat, easy to digest. Um, and then during the sprint triathlon, <sighs> depending on the weather, you might be able to get away with just water for it, depending on the legs. So let's say it's quarter mile swim, 15 mile bike and a 5k run, you might be able to get away with just water on the bike and water on the run. Or you could take in a sports drink on the bike with some electrolytes and a little bit of carbohydrate to make sure you're topped off for the run. So you can get away with pretty low fueling on the on the sprint. <laughs> Ooh, now as we graduate, let's go to that Olympic. <laughs> yes. So the Olympic is where you definitely want to take in some fuel. Um, so you got a 0.9 mile swim, and then you're going to hop on for a 25 mile bike. I recommend having at least one bottle of sports drink, whatever you use. I use a bottle that has almost 300 calories in it and it has carbohydrates and electrolytes. So that is what I'll have on an Olympic, but I'll also have a plain bottle of water with me. So that's usually what I'll take on a, an Olympic, those two bottles. And then on the run, <clears throat> I'll grab water off the aid stations, but I will have calories with me um, in case something like cliff blocks, just a little bit of calories if I need them. Um, or you could use goo, whatever you use, or you could carry a bottle with your sports drink if that's what you like sticking to. But whatever you've practiced with in training and making sure you're practicing with it in training, training that gut, um, that's what you want to use on race day for the Olympic. Mm, I like that what you just said. <laughs> huh, I'm not going to repeat it because if they didn't get it, they didn't get it. And I think that's a, a, a t-shirt. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll tell you off air. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll give you some royalties for it because I was like, yes, I like that. Anyway, <laughs> oh, that's really good to know. Um, so the 300 calories that you take on the bike, that's helping you to fuel because again, that uh, typically for you, it will take you about an hour and two minutes to do 25 miles. <laughs> but you know, right. But you know, it's just, uh, that's good to know to take in some calories there. Now, as we move into the longer distance, I, I am noticing that more and more people are stretching themselves and wanting to get into those that longer sport. So let's talk about um, the half distance. Yeah. 
So the half is the first distance where fueling becomes really important. <laughs> uh, that's what I always say. So that's the first distance. So when athletes step up to that, you know, they might not be used to fueling, might not be used to fueling all their training. And the key is to practice it on every long workout that you have. So every long bike, you know, pretty much anything over an hour, or an hour and a half, practice your fueling, take in fuel, train that gut as much as you can up until race day. So it is dialed in and seamless on race day. Um, so the swim, obviously you're not going to take anything during the swim. And then as soon as you hop on the bike, I generally will just sip on water for the first 10 minutes while my heart rate kind of settles down because your heart rate's always cranking all that swim, you know, and you hop on the bike. I take a few sips of water at first. And then when I feel a little bit more settled, I'll start on my fueling. So again, I use a, a sports drink that has close to 300 calories a bottle, and I'll take um, at least two of those bottles on, on the bike. Um, and then I also supplement with Cliff Blocks or a goo. So I'm shooting for about 300 calories an hour on the bike. That is where I always try to start athletes out in training and see how that works for them. Some athletes are going to need more than that. Some athletes will do better on less than that. And it, it has to do with their, their body weight, how big a person they are. My bigger guys might be needing closer to 400 calories. Some of my smaller women might do well on 200 to 250, but not always. Like I know some small women who they need closer to 400 calories. It just, that's what their body's burning. So you have to figure out what works for you. If you're on your long training rides, if you're hungry off the bike, you know, you need to take in more. And then on the run, um, again, use what you used in training, but you're going to need probably, you're going to be able to handle a little bit less on the run. So maybe somewhere between 150 calories to 200 calories an hour, um, is, is common, but again, practice it in training and see what your gut can handle. And on the run, I'll use just water off the aid stations and pop cliff blocks every mile. Um, I've used goo as well. I have athletes who use Gatorade on the run, um, Gatorade and water, and they'll carry goo or cliff blocks. So as long as you're able to, to practice it in training and then get those calories down, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which of these products you're using, just whatever works for you. Awesome. So let's go back to the beginning of the race for the half distance. Would mm -hmm. you say, because you can't fuel for the, you're not, you're not eating fuel while you're swimming. That's just impossible. <laughs> Unless we figure out a way to make that happen, it's impossible today. But would you say before they get in the water, they need to probably ingest something? Because I really want to set people up for success here. So what yeah. should they, should they have electrolytes or should they maybe have a, a pre-formulated drink that's giving them a little bit of calories so that they can get through the swim? Uh, what would you suggest? Great question. Um, so the day before and the morning of, I suggest having something with electrolytes in it. So you're not, because we all tend to like, try to over drink, you know, on the day before making sure we're topped off hydrated. I, I've done it <laughs> every time, especially for a hot race. I'm like, I got to drink, 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 drink. And we, we don't want to flush our system out of electrolytes. So mm. making sure you have something with a little bit of electrolytes the day before and the morning of, so you could have something like noon or Gatorade or whatever sports drink you like, um, sip on that the day before and the morning of, so you're topping off your electrolytes. Um, and if you have something with carbs, that's great too, because you're, you're topping off your calories too. I say the same with a, a half distance, have your breakfast two to three hours before the start. And then right before the start and 
you can practice this at a smaller race before your, your big half Ironman. If you have like a B race leading up to it, have a goo, you know, 10 minutes before that swim start, just to top off your carbohydrates before that race begins. I've often done that, especially if I start feeling like I getting just a little bit of hunger, you know, cause I ate breakfast three hours ago. I feel like I could maybe just use a little something. It's, mm-hmm. it's good to top it off. Now, Lindsay, I, I, I could be hearing things, but I want to make sure I'm hearing you accurately here now. <laughs> You're saying, and but this is before we get into the full distance, because I think you mentioned it for even the Olympic and even the sprint. And I, and I mm. got to just stop here. Mm-hmm. If I'm eating two or three hours before my race and my race is already mm. early, Yes. What time I really need to wake up? Because like, (laughs) think about it before you leave the house. And if this is too much information that I'm about to share, people just close your ears for a second. But (laughs) there's a certain amount of releasing that has to happen before you should get to this place. And so if I'm waking up two or three hours before, before the race to eat, that means I'm like going to bed at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I have read plenty of recommendations where they say, you know, make sure you have your breakfast three hours before whatever. And I am someone who I try to maximize my sleep up until race day. And because normally you have to get there so early just to get parking or get in transition. Oftentimes transitions opening at 5 a.m. or before I just did Blue Ridge 70.3. We had to catch a shuttle at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> oh so gosh. we definitely got our breakfast in plenty early at that race because we were eating on the bus. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so usually these races, the bigger ones anyway, are making you get there so early anyway. So if you're eating your breakfast, maybe in the car or once you get parking, you can just sit there and eat your breakfast there. I've often done that. I don't wake yeah. up extra early just to get it in you know, three hours before for me, two hours before it generally works with my coffee. And I usually have time to evacuate at the race site. (laughs) That's cute. Evacuate. Look at you. Such a lady. You like that? Evacuate. Yes. Because that is very important. You don't want to have to evacuate when you're on the run (laughs) during the race. And that has happened to me plenty of times, but yeah, it's not what you want. Listen, as, um, Maria will say releasing, (laughs) aka pooping, is never TMI. (laughs) Not in the triathlon world. I I, I said this before. um, My first time staying with triathletes in a like a tri house for a race was about two years ago, and it was a competition to see who's pooping the most. And I was like, "Yo, that's disgusting." (laughs) And now I'm like, "What? I've had my." certain number that I need to have before I feel like I'm ready to go (laughs) and it's a real thing but now knowing that that makes me feel a little bit better that I don't have to wake up extra early I can kind of do it alone there because I think that matters because you if you're new to this you can get so like oh my gosh I want to do everything by the book I want to do everything by the book and so that means even before you're working out because you said to practice everything that you're doing on race day so if you know you're going out for that say 6 a.m. bike ride, you need to be up at 3, 3.30, and then having your breakfast by four to see how your body metabolizes it before you get on your run. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ideally you are practicing it pretty precisely in training if, if, if you can swing it. 
you can do that. So, and don't be like as me. As precisely as you can. Get up 30 minutes before whatever workout. And be like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's why we have the experts here. And you don't have to listen to me. I just get to ask them the <laughs> questions because I'm like a student. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. So we're, we're here together learning. All right. Now I guess we're ready for the big quote unquote kahuna, the iron distance. Uh, let's talk about fueling for that. Yeah, so this is where fueling becomes even more important. And so um, I, I tell some of my first time athletes, I say, if you can nail the fueling down and master that fueling, you're going to have a good day. <laughs> because so many times we see gut issues ruin people's day. And mm. it stinks because they train so hard for it. And, um, you know, it's not their muscles limiting them. It's their gut. They're sick or, yeah. So that's, that's disappointing. So you cannot fuel the gut or train the gut enough. You got to train that gut in training every chance you get. Um, and same deal. What I, I do is I usually start athletes at about 300 calories per hour on the bike and see how that goes. Um, you know, those simple carbohydrates um, through sports drink or goose or blocks, whatever they like. Um, you want to avoid the slowly digested or complex sugars during exercise. I've had athletes who want to stick to like more natural foods and they're trying to do fruit or things like that. And, um, I, I recommend sticking to those simple, simple sugars. If you guys could just see her face, she's like, "Mm, it's not going to work, but you don't want to say it's not going to work. So I'm going to say it for you. Hey guys, listen, it's good to do it, but if you want to, finish, you're going to have to do something different. So add some products that are pre-packaged to help you so that you can get through the race. Yeah. Um, And generally the stomach can process somewhere between 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour, but you just want to make sure you're having plenty of plain water with those carbohydrates. So if you're using a sports drink, make sure you also have plain water too. Um, that'll help with your hydration. If it's a hot day, you're going to have that extra liquid. Um, but also it's going to help you absorb those carbohydrates and, and digest them well. Um, for sports drink, if you look for drinks that have somewhere between like 14 to 15 grams of carbohydrates per eight ounces is good. Any higher, and that's how they're mostly made, but higher concentrations are going to delay gastric emptying or pull water from the intestine, um, which can lead to GI distress. So if you are someone who has a sports drink, like a powder, and you're going to double concentrate it or triple concentrate it in a bottle, just make sure you're taking big swigs of water every time you have a sip of that concentrated solution, because it's not meant to be triple concentrated like that. Mm. Um, and not to get too sidetracked off of this, but like in Ironman and 70.3, sometimes that can be tricky if you're using Gatorade off the aid stations because they're mixing those solutions in those big jugs of water and their volunteers doing it. And maybe when they get low, they're going to dump more Gatorade in there. So I've had swigs of Gatorade that is super concentrated from them. And, you know, that can cause issues too. So just something to be aware of if you're taking it off the aid stations, it might be, the concentration might be a little screwy. (laughs) No, I think that's really helpful to know because at that's where you have to be careful. And that's why they tell you the nutrition that's going to be on the course so that you can practice mm-hmm. it prior to getting on the course. 
Um, right. I know uh, if you're doing um, bigger brands that have sponsorships, you think that they will have the bottles and sometimes they do have the bottles mm-hmm. until they run out of the individual bottles. And when they run out of the individual bottles, then it goes to quote unquote, the powder forming, you have to be careful. So uh, definitely have things on your person that you're used to that you can easily squeeze into the water bottle that will be able to replenish for you because that's easy. And then um, would you say in their special needs bag, which is kind of halfway through the bike, they can have all those additional items to replenish so that they can continue successfully moving forward. Absolutely. And on the bike, they're, they're usually always going to have the bottles on the bike for you to hand off. It's more on the run where they're going to be mixing those big jugs of the powder formula. Right. So I don't know. I, you know, it happened, <laughs> it's happened to me once or twice. And, you know, that's enough for me to think, oh, I'm like scared of it now, but it, it might not be that common, but you know, it only has to happen to you once or twice then you never forget. So um, it's just something to, yeah, be careful of and maybe have a backup plan if, if, if that's your, your plan, or, you know, if you're got, got a Gatorade off the aid station, have a water with it too. So you're prepared if it's a little too concentrated make sure you chug it with, chase it with water. Um, so but yeah, the Ironman, making sure you're just starting that fueling right from the beginning of the bike. Don't get behind. I have an alarm set on my watch to beep every 15 or 20 minutes to remind me to eat because as the bike goes on, you get a little lazy with it. You might not remember to eat or drink. You might not want to. So having that little beep reminds you to take in the calories, making sure you stay on schedule and don't get behind because you're setting up your run. So making sure you're ending that bike topped off of fueling and then starting that run topped off. I love it. What would you say are good things to eat on the bike that are quick, easily digestible and will complement whatever carb sports drink they have? Yeah. So for me, I usually stick with like sports nutrition products, like cliff blocks. They taste like little gummy candies. They're delicious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I'll eat those on the bike um, with plain water. Anything you eat, make sure you're just taking plain water with it. Um, I have athletes who use bars like the UCAN bars. Um, I've tasted them. I think they're pretty good. Um, so I have athletes who those work pretty well for on the bike. They supplement, um, their sports drink with those too. Um, when power bar (laughs) is still making power bars. I don't know if they actually make the bars anymore, but, um, I've had athletes use power bars too. Um, but, but most of my people and what I recommend are sticking to like cliff blocks or goose or athletes are using. Love, love and love. (laughs) You mentioned, um, cause I like all those things. I do have a natural affinity for sugar and that's something that I'm working on, but when it comes to race <laughs> season and it's like, yes, I can have that. Yes. That's right. I get so excited. Hence my Starburst from earlier. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell me about pre-race dinners. And I know you touched on it, but most people are fans of the pasta dinner and they mm-hmm. feel like they have to have pasta. Mm-hmm. Would you say, 
uh, pasta is great, but if you're eating pasta the day before, it's not going to be as beneficial for you as if you had it two or three days beforehand and then had more of a more balanced meal that included carbs, fats, so that they can clean out your system and uh, protein. How would you suggest to do the pasta? Um, there's nothing wrong with pasta the night before. I would just say, don't, don't feel like you have to have this big heaping portion of it. So you don't want to overeat the day before. Um, we say, you know, have a big breakfast the day before a little smaller lunch, a little smaller dinner. So tapering your meals through the day, um, and having that early dinner. So your body just has plenty of time to digest and evacuate in the morning. Um, but um, but there's nothing wrong with pasta the night before that's going to top off those carbs and, okay. and, and be pretty easy to digest. Just stick away from those creamy sauces that are high fat, you know, anything hard to digest, or if you have any digestion issues with tomato sauce, stay away from that. Just make it real plain and boring. Um, mm. pizza is a good pre-race dinner too. I know people who like pizza. Um, <laughs> yeah, that just that made me happy. <laughs> So um, that's good too. Um, and then two days before, you, you, you know, that, that dinner two nights before, you also want to think about higher proportions of carbs. I love potatoes, like baked potatoes or baked sweet potatoes. Those are really yummy, healthy carbs that, that I've had good races off of. So then it becomes superstitious that I have to have a potato the night before. So um, that's a good option as well. A lot of times we're, you know, eating out the night before. So we're kind of at the mercy of what restaurants are around, what you can find. But usually if you go to an Italian restaurant, you can find pretty plain pasta or, or pizza, <laughs> you know, whatever works for you. <laughs> yes. Pizza, pizza for me. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Not for a big race, but I will try it for a smaller yeah. B or C race, you know, just to have a little and fun. Try it, try it before one of your big training days too, and see how you feel, you know, so. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here for that. Um, <laughs> you know, you're giving me all kinds of ideas. I'm over here like thinking and plotting and planning like, ooh, if I try this, if I try that. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, people who aren't eating and necessarily eating and how we use our bodies on the bike. And is there a such thing as using fat as fuel? And if so, how do we use the fat as fuel so that we aren't using as much of the sugar? Because if I, it, I only can speak from my experience and I know sometimes on the bike, you know, when I'm getting up into getting off the bike, I can start cramping really bad. Mm -hmm. And that means I've done something wrong, hadn't taken in my nutrition appropriately mm -hmm. or has, you know, gotten my heart rate too high that I'm burning, you know, the carbs that I need to store. So how can we last a little bit longer with using fat as fuel? Yeah, this is such a good question. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you've seen the popularity of these high fat diets, low carb, um, and coming into the endurance world. So as endurance athletes, we are burning a huge amount of fat in every workout just because of the type of training we're doing. So we're mostly doing this zone two effort, which is burning a lot of fat. In addition to carbs, you're always burning both. So you're never just burning one thing. You're never just burning fat in a workout, never just burning carbs in a workout. You're always burning a mixture of, of all three. Um, so 
so we're already very good at burning fat as endurance athletes with the type of training we do and limiting how many carbs we're taking in. Um, it's only going to delay our recovery. It's going to not let us be as strong through the workout. Um, and it, it, there's also science to show that it affects how hard we can push in a workout and it affects our VO2 max capabilities. Mm. So it's not a great way for endurance athletes to fuel. Um, there are outliers for sure. There are some professional ultra runners who do very well on these high fat diets. My argument is they probably do well on any diet they use because they're, they're phenomenal athletes. <laughs> right. Um, but Hey, you know, if it's working for them, great, but they're not, they're not what to base your decisions on, especially as women. So, um, anyone who follows Stacey Sims, she's very against these high fat, low carb diets for women because they're stressful on our bodies. They affect our hormonal balance, um, and our recovery and can increase our cortisol levels. So mm. it's particularly not good for women to follow these types of diets. Mm. That's quite interesting. And I'm, thank you for, you know, sharing that because I think we, as the more knowledge we have, that makes us more, you know, it makes us, but it puts us in a better position to make better decisions, you right. know, by having the knowledge and, you know, some of us may not be avid readers or we're on the go all the time that we only are listening to podcasts and informational. So mm -hmm. any little tidbits, I think it's always helpful and um, just encouraging. I want to touch on plant-based athletes. How would you encourage, because again, I want everyone to feel like they are welcomed here, um, but how would you encourage a plant-based athlete to prepare uh, for how to hydrate and, you know, fuel their body? Mm -hmm. uh, that's another great question. Um, so plant-based has definitely become more popular in the last few years. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have watched the documentary, The Game Changers. Um, that, that definitely uh, inspired me. And I went plant-based uh, a year and a half ago. And then my husband and I have stayed that way pretty much. Like occasionally we'll we'll eat meat if someone cooks meat for us, if we're at my parents' house or something like that. So we're not all or nothing, but, um, but we've been doing it and plant-based, same kind of guidelines, you know, the day before making sure you're just eating plenty of carbs, not too much fiber the day before. I didn't mention that you want to stick, stay away from those, the foods that we're normally eating <laughs> the nice, you know, healthy high fiber foods. That's the foods that you kind of want to avoid the day before. Um, just because you don't want them, um, you, you, you don't want them hanging out in your, your GI system and cleaning it out. So, <laughs> um, so those are the foods you want to avoid the day before. Um, and same with plant-based athletes who are generally eating probably more veggies and fruits than the normal athlete. <laughs> so that's you were so kind, it. Lindsay, you were just like, you know, you don't want the GI. No, you just don't want to let it all out. Cause that's, what's going to happen. You're going to be <laughs> the one in the porta potty holding up all the porta potties because you, we can't get in there to use the porta potty because you ate too many fibers, <laughs> too, okay. many beans. <laughs> too many beans. Yeah. Um, you can tell I was a little bit emotional about that. Like people, watch what you eat. Just kidding. But plant-based athletes can definitely get as, as, you know, as much protein as meat-based athletes. They can get all their protein needs. Um, that's kind of a myth that's been debunked. And um, as long as they're, they're, they're eating well-rounded foods and eating 
plenty of beans and, um, you know, being careful that they're eating healthy and, and a good variety of foods. So they can definitely support their training still. I am so glad I got that in. Let me tell you, time flies when you are learning. Clearly, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pay attention to any of my timers going off. I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm listening. I'm having a good time. And I hope whoever, I hope you guys who are listening are like, yes, girl, we was having a good time too. And we're just in it. We're in the flow. Well, it has come to our time where I love to this is a fun podcast and I, I like to ask really good questions, especially you being an athlete. And uh, we have, what is it called? Um, it's called rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask cool. you some rapid fire questions. Don't think too deep about it. If you want to <laughs> okay. expound upon it, you can, but they're just really quick questions to help people get to know you a little bit better and to kind of put you on the spot on some really tough, uh, some tough things. Okay. So if <laughs> <Great>. you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. And I think I'm going to start with this one since we've been talking about nutrition so much. What's your favorite okay. post-workout food? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Um, I can't say something boring. A smoothie. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> I mean, you are the diet nutrition coach. So, you know. <laughs> so boring. Let's see if we can get some better answers out of her for those who really <laughs> want to know. No, that was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Um <gasps> Ah, what's, mm, who or what inspires you? Ooh, for, for triathlon or just anything? Just anything. Mm, who inspires me? Um, gosh, when I was in the ecology world, Jane Goodall was my hero forever. She's still kind of my, one of my heroes. Uh-huh. Um, and triathlon I love I love just watching the pros so I follow the pros Maria knows I'm a kind of a pro geek she always asks me who's the pros so I I get a lot of inspiration from the pros and the top coaches I follow a lot of the top coaches and their podcasts and things like that okay okay Um, I maybe should have rephrased that question I'm going to go back to the food because we're going to pull it out of you we're going to pull out the good juicy answers that we really want to know so what's your favorite guilty (laughs) treat (laughs) ice cream for sure ice cream come on that's what the people want to know we want to know the real stuff we don't want to know the yes i like to have a smoothie with (laughs) spinach and two berries and four clove leaves and some turmeric that sounds like an awful (laughs) smoothie and i'm quite sure your smoothie is much better than that but come on ice cream what kind of ice cream oh i like ice cream cake Mm. um this is where we're getting juicy ice cream cake I like ice cream cake. That's what I always get for my birthday. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of a boring like vanilla ice cream with sprinkles when I go to the ice cream place. I'm pretty boring. Love it. <laughs> boring or not, it works for me. I love it. Okay. What, uh, what's your favorite thing overall about triathlon? Oh man, uh, the community for sure. The community is amazing. I have my, probably my best friends are my training buddies. <laughs> um, we have such a, I met my husband through my training group. So Ooh, we should have um, asked more questions yeah. about that. Maybe this could be tried dating <laughs> next time we have you on Ooh. Mm, for the inquiring singles who want to know. <laughs> yeah. All my tri buddies were like pushing us together and I was had a boyfriend, but it was, you know, it was kind of my tri buddies who got us together. So mm. yeah, definitely well, the community is great. And I'm our just, no limits community is amazing. So I love it. I'm wondering where my tribe buddies at. Why my tribe buddies ain't hooked me up? <laughs> Pushing that guy to you. <laughs> right. I gotta get better try friends. Ugh. 
<laughs> I have some really good dry wines. All right. Um, at the end of your race, beer, wine, water, or soda? Mm, soda. Yes. I'm never yeah. into that beer at the end. Ugh. I do like beer, but not at the end of the race. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you like it at the beginning. Oh, you're that type of athlete. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 4 a.m. That's my beer, right? Hey. <laughs> what way to be parking. Love. All right. So here's the question that, you know, I get so many different responses. Are you a tradition, a transition minimalist? Like you just have the bare mm. minimum or mm -hmm. are you the Goldilocks where everything has to be just right? Or are you the kitchen sink space hoarder where you just bring everything with you? Cause you just, you're just, you can't figure out what you want to use. I'm definitely the bare minimum and like setting up, I'm in and out where like my husband takes forever and I'm like, what are you doing in there anyway? <laughs> okay. If you own the bike, do you pee on the bike or get off and have a bathroom break? Definitely pee on the bike in races. I don't do it in training though. <laughs> Fair. I agree. I get so excited because I'm like, don't leave me out here peeing on the bike during a race, but during training, I'm like, mm, yeah, I got to take some time. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. And just music. What do you, uh, mm -hmm. do you like to listen to music on your training rides or runs, listen to audiobook or silence? Um, in the last year, I started listening to more books or podcasts on my runs. So I've been doing that a lot. Um, yeah, so I love it. <laughs> I love listening to that when I, and now my, I have a foot injury and I was listening to a podcast while I was aqua jog jogging and that's why my AirPods might be messed up, but, <laughs> but no, I love listening to podcasts and getting through books on runs. Ah, uh, that is so cool. And, uh, tell me about when you don't feel motivated, how do you push through mm. and get the workout done? Mm. Yeah, probably just uh, remembering why I do this, you know, reflecting on my why I'm doing this race and what my goals are. And that's usually enough to get me going. So remembering why it's important to me. Okay, that's good. What's your least favorite leg of the distance of the, of the race? Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I love them all. Um, now that's a lately, first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, lately my run has been more of my struggle and it's, I've been struggling to stay healthy with my running. So that's probably, yeah, what I'm frustrated with right now, but I do love running. So, yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite distance? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question too. <laughs> Gosh, I'd say between probably 70.3 and Olympic distance. I do love the Olympic distance because I'm a swimmer and it benefits swimmers. It's the longest proportion of the swim, right? Yeah. So, so I do love an Olympic distance, but I also love halves. Wow. Lindsay, all I can say is thank you. You are a jewel. <laughs> and I love the fact that, you know, you have done every distance and not just once or twice, but multiple times, like you're in the double digits and doing these distances. You are a mom, like you're out <laughs> here being a boss chick. And that is even more <laughs> impressive to be a, you know, a mom of two boys, you have a husband, which you probably say is the third boy, you know, but third you child, know, the yes. third child, you know, so it's just like, 
gosh, you have so much on your plate and you manage it well. And then you're still coaching athletes and inspiring them. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the show today. Oh, and I am just so grateful you. to talk to you. And I hope you'll come back again with us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was so fun. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Lindsay Lee. And you heard her here right here on Try Beginner's Luck. Whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you're always sure to win. Thank you so much. And be sure to tune in for our next episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.